0: Hey guys, uh, number one combat sports podcast in Australia and the world. Now, let's talk about Steve and Fra- Francis Ngannou, number two. Completely different from the, the very first bout. Now, Francis Ngannou weighed in at his exact same weight as he did before, 263 in their first bout, 263 in their second bout. Obviously, body composition changed c- completely. You know, uh, noticeably a lot leaner, obviously put on a little bit more uh, lean muscle mass as well. And he, he looked a lot more conditioned, a lot more patient. He definitely came in so calm. And it probably helped having Kamaru in his corner, telling him to calm down, relax, and knocked out Steve Phan, Brutal fashion. Yeah.
1: That uh, was not that was pretty shocking to watch. I mean, we had that video of us reacting to it, which I filmed.
0: Which you should see on Instagram. <laughs> and I was just
1: like, what the fuck? I did not see that coming, but something was off with Steep in the first round. He didn't look like himself. He looked a little bit too too calm.
0: Uh, I don't think he was calm. I think he was just cruising for that first round. That first round, he was kind of just kicking his calf, but very likely he wasn't. He wasn't trying to commit so much to the yeah. really hard calf hits because he didn't want to get caught, right? But it, it just uh. We saw a bit of different stuff from Francis. I didn't didn't really see a huge improvement in Francis. To be oh. honest, prior to this, right? Well, we and saw some
1: of his grappling skills. So his grappling, I thought, didn't see that I coming. thought that
0: improved, but in terms of his stand-up, you know, his striking, um, I didn't think changed that much. Other than his leg kicks, his leg kicks definitely. Um, he's employed a lot of leg kicks now. Yeah. You know? Uh either to the. He didn't actually employ any calf kicks or anything like that, but it was typically to the thigh and the head. He did really well, and Stipe was just eating shots in that first round. He was kind of taking it easy. He was taking his best punches. First round, Francis' gun is probably the scariest, right? But Francis probably could have fought at the same pace he was in the first round, in the second, third, fourth, and fifth. Granted, if Stipe wasn't knocked out, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was so calm and composed, and he was fighting the way he should. Fast burst, rest, <laughs> rest. Nice and calm. Fast burst, boom. And he's a scary motherfucker. And now he's the third African UFC Born. champion. Yeah.
1: So one thing that also really stood out about the fight was the significant difference in size between Stipe and Francis. Mm-hmm. Stipe came in at uh, 234. Francis was 263. Three. 263. He had nearly 30 pounds on him. Yeah. That was... That was massive. And just look at the two size differences, the two. But Steve Fray still looked great. I mean, he looked leaner than ever. But I just didn't think the difference was going to be that big. Um, However, uh, you know, he just kind of got caught. But the real point, the real question we've got to ask you now, Jack, is what do you think is going to happen? Do you think Steve Fray is going to – they're going to force a trilogy? Or do you believe that they're probably going to get Francis to fight John Jones? My take is I think they're going to get Francis to fight John Jones because – that just seems like more of a matchup.
0: up um,
1: Because originally they wanted Stipe to fight Jones, but I reckon it's going to yeah. be Francis fighting Jones. Yeah,
0: though. I mean, the, the interesting things are, it's gotten a very complicated in the last 24 hours because prior to the fight, Dana had been asked a question saying, uh, and I think it was the smoke, the, the schmo that I asked uh, Dana and said, look, Stipe, if Stipe does lose and Francis, um, you know, beats him dominantly, does he still get a immediate uh trilogy with everything that he's done in the UFC and Dana said "I oh, it would be hard to it would be hard to say no to that however he's backpedaled a, a little bit and now he's looking at maybe a John Jones fight it's interesting right however I think it's the correct decision for Francis to fight John Jones because getting knocked out that that quickly he's about to have his uh a newborn son as well needs to take that time off yeah if, if he's to go fight francis and again we knew that when he fought francis um the first time he absorbed a lot of punishment and then when he went quickly into the fight against daniel cormier chin wasn't the same yeah. Got knocked out right he needs to take that time off because when you get brutally knocked out like that at, at his age and he has taken some shots he needs to have the time off right and and Ngannou, typically wants to fight the next June or July, which is what he asked for a June or July fight. That should be against John Jones. Yeah. Now, it got interesting now in the last 24 hours because John Jones actually put out he felt disrespected by Dana. Dana Dana mentioned that uh if I, if I'm John Jones, I would go down to 185 now. Or I I would, <laughs> I would go back back to 205. And a lot of people were making jokes like as soon as Ngano knocked out Stipe, they were all all saying um, oh, John uh, Jones, Jones realises that he's Jones, got to fight Francis now. It's a picture
1: of John Jones crying. Yeah, and he's yeah, got, so he, he
0: moves down to light heavyweight now. Um, he also feels a bit disrespected because Dana is making it out to be that he doesn't want to fight Ngannou. He doesn't want to fight at all, right? I think
1: I think the, I think the proposition was brought up before. and
0: uh, Apparently, the next proposed fight is supposed to be next week. So yeah. they're going to offer a fight to John next week, which will most likely be Ngannou for a certain... Mm-hmm. amount of a certain figure, right? But he's not happy with the current figures and that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Dana likes to do this thing and everybody knows that he likes to say, oh, he doesn't want to fight. Hey, yeah. if you don't want to fight, don't fight. And it's not him, at, it, he, he's bullshitting, right? Because they obviously do want to fight. He says that to piss someone off. So they go, hey, I'm not a fucking pussy. I'll take the money. I'll knock him. I'll, I'll beat him. I'll knock him out. Yeah. Right? But it's his way of, Igniting the ego in a fighter, which is easier to ignite, by the way, and then getting them to sign the dotted line for less money than they actually want to, do yeah. just by getting their ego involved, and that's what he's trying to do to John Jones, because uh, I don't think anyone would disagree. John has one of the biggest egos in the game. he's yes. a little sociopath, to be honest. Hmm. Um, yeah, if anyone's a sociopath in the UFC, I, w- I would give it to you. I would give it to John. But I, I want John to fight. Um, on to fight Francis. I think that'd be an incredible fight. Maybe June, July. We know we've stacked on a little bit of size. He doesn't really want a warm up fight, or um, yeah, he
1: wants to go straight it, for the title.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, whenever it's a champion moving to another division, even though he has relinquished the the belt, typically they go right to the top. You know, that there's no warm up fight. There's no. There's no tune up. Mm. And you certainly can't tune up for someone like Francis. So yeah. uh, I expect uh, I expect Francis Ngannou versus John Jones to be occurring in maybe July, yeah. as long as Jones gets the figure he is hoping for.
1: It's a special case, but it's a bit dangerous when a champion either relinquishes the title and then tries to go straight away up to fight for the title. Like uh, It's such a gamble. Like Izzy try to go up and fight Yarm for that title for the double champ status. TJ Dillashaw tried to drop down, take Henry St you know, for the double champ status as well. You know, it's it's dangerous. It's, it's a da- very, very dangerous move.
0: It's a dangerous move where only so many have done it. Yeah, you know, very, yeah. Very, very few have very few. have done it simultaneously and very, very few have also done it just vacating the belt and going out and winning two titles in two separate divisions.
1: Yeah, well, if you look at the back at the past, though, if there's anyone who's got a good enough resume to try yeah. and at least who has a best, the best shot. It has to be John Jones because of the amount of title defences he's had. You know, he's had such a good record. You know, if, if we just discount that one loss that he's had, you know. He and the
0: accusations. And the accusations
1: the, and the fact that he was a champion since he was 22. Yeah, he, he has a strong enough argument for 23. 23. 23. So, he,
0: yeah. It's hard to think. A year older than us, you have see like heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very uh, synonymous with like Mike Tyson being the heavyweight champion of the world, 20 years old. I think it was 19, 20 years old. 19,
1: 20, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. insane, insane. So props to to Francis. I didn't expect, uh, like, look, Francis only needs to hit you with one punch, right? And he only needs to, he only really needs to connect once. Stifo took his best shots. But Francis and Ngannou just fought at a nice, relaxed pace. With really high intensity bursts of energy, mm-hmm. and look, you can only take so many shots until you just can't. And that was what happened with Stepe. Um, I think the issue with Stepe and why he got hit, why that happened was he has really good head movement, right? Mm-hmm. And he took some of Ngannou's best shots, and he moved through, right? There was a time in the second round where Stepe was getting caught, right? And instead of pulling away and Recognizing Agano's power, he was a little bit too overconfident, and he went in and he actually w- he walked into that shot. Yeah, spot.
1: he did. After getting rocked, he tried to strike back straight away, and he was already wobbly. He was already slow.
0: Yes, and uh, I think Chael also Chael Sonnen also mentioned that when he went for the takedown, he actually did it incorrectly. He went onto the wrong side. His head was on the wrong side, and he uh, and uh, essentially he's, uh, he's attempting to. Uh, take down the larger man. He's trying rather than go for the single leg and take him down that way. I think he was... I think it was an issue with game plan and an issue with maybe confidence, right? I thought Stipo was very confident at the start, but he was kind of taking it just easy and he says, look, I've taken your best punches until he couldn't, right? Mm. And I think it was overconfidence and I think game plan was incorrect. I think he really should have... Some of his strikes weren't conne- weren't connecting that well, right? There was one, there was one overhand that caught Engano flush, but the rest of the punches didn't hit him that hit Engano that clean. I think the issue was game plan, right? stipe is very good with just stepping off the line, very good head head movement. It's one of his best traits: head movement, slip, right hand over the top. It's so clean. He's got very crisp boxing coming from a Golden Gloves champion, right? But his issue was he wasn't really... He tried to go for the takedown, didn't work, and he kind of just abandoned it, which doesn't make sense against someone like Francis Ngannou. I didn't know why maybe he could fake the takedown and then go up to the head or... And then as soon as he hits him, go back to the takedown, take him down, flustered, take him down. Ngannou took him down.
1: Yeah. Well, what was something
0: interesting we would we didn't expect at all.
1: Well, I think was what really rocked him is when he defend when Nagani defended that takedown really well and slipped to the side and just barra- hit him with a barrage of punches. And he was trying to get back up, and he was hitting him. He worked
0: his way up to the feet very well.
1: But yeah, and then he just. He just counted it and made him pay for it. And I think that's when Stipe started to get a little bit wobbly and a little bit rocked over that. And he was just trying to cruise around a cage to survive the end of the round. I just feel like it was definitely an improvement of Francis uh, overall. Uh, And and I just can't really say other than that. I mean, he just showed up and he just was the better man in the night really he was and the, I think he it was the better man on the yeah night, yeah for sure
0: anyway um, with, with Stipe though he he made a few errors I think he made a few mistakes and with someone like when he fought Francis Ngano, he was very composed himself right but it made the way he was fighting made Francis very flustered mm-hmm. very didn't know what was going on and he was getting very upset and agitated this is a completely different Francis Ngano calm Karm Nganu is very scary because mm-hmm. he can fight at a pace with really fast bursts of energy right off his back foot. And it was impressive. His, his, he managed to grap- grapple and take down Stipe, but he also managed to move around very defensively. And, and he stuffed the first takedown against Stipe very well as well. So I think it was a combination of what Nganu did right, especially conditioning, and his game plan, and it was also a combination of Stipe making mistakes. Yep. I think he made a mistake. He clearly got hit with a big shot, and I don't know if he was paying attention that well. But he cut. He circled over to the right, and he just circled into the into the right hand. Got clipped, and it was horrible seeing that back leg get stuck underneath him, and it just flicks up underneath, and Gano just goes on a boom big hammer fist. Yeah,
1: that that hammer fist was quite scary to watch. Hope Dean had to like dive in. To he save needs him. to
0: work on his on his uh, fifty meter dash because it <laughs> sucks. I I do, do want to raise one thing though. Do you think the smaller octagon made that knockout like the likelihood of that knockout more possible? Absolutely. I think so because that thirty percent smaller.
1: Not even that, but if you're talking about huge, people, the
0: heavyweights, they're massive. They they're massive. So they they got a massive
1: reach advantage over each other. I'm pretty sure Nagani you had a reach advantage over. Um, I
0: think it was. Uh, it wasn't huge, but, but it the, had some, but he had a huge. Yeah. Size advantage. Yeah. Weight. He had thirty-two pounds on him. Plus, That's they insane. take up more
1: space if they're a heavyweight. Exactly. Yeah, they're six foot four, six foot three. It's
0: it's just. I think someone like Steve Stevie needs the larger cage against yeah. someone that's more room to move.
1: Huge. Especially since that you have more room to, uh, more space to move around, and that way you can they can chase you and you can sort of like wear them out a little bit. You also, know, it's, it's also
0: there's no cage for you to actually push off to yeah. defend the takedown.
1: Yeah, as well. one thing that is just surprised right now. I reposted this on Instagram, but what we're seeing is a case of a lot of. Old school champions, you know, that come from like a couple of years back now are just starting to drive out of the UFC or a lot of people that we originally look up to from the previous era. Like, you know, Conan McGregor got knocked out, Alistair Overy now retired, uh, Tyron Woodley lost yesterday, Stipe lost, Khabib retired, all those like, all those previous champions. Henry Cejudo retired. Yeah, Henry Cejudo retired. There you go. So a lot of... it's about is we're ushering in this new generation. And then I've got to start to admit, really, how long can, you know, say, for example, how long has Stipe got left?
0: Because... A couple of years. A couple he's, of years. He's 37, 38, yeah. I think. And... Uh, look, light heavyweights and heavyweights can have a bit of... They, they can... They can rely on power and less on speed, yeah. right? And 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 Stiebe is a very powerful guy, but mm-hmm. he requires a lot of movement, mm-hmm. right? And and it depends stylistically, right? Against Daniel Cormier, didn't need that much room. H- mm-hmm. However, someone against Engano, you need the space, yep. right? And the the space is not just important for movement; it's for taking him down. You know, Gani, whenever you see him training, he's holding the sandbag, the big heavy bag, and he'll get down on the squat position and he's working to shimmy up, get as close as he can to the cage, back on the cage, butt back on the cage, and he's using the cage to get up, move up, work his way up, get some kind of underhook, right? Push him away, create some distance, get back into the striking game. Mm-hmm. When a, we have a bigger octagon, Stipe could take Francis down and he could hold him down, right? Mm-hmm. Ngani might try to like come further back to the cage so he can get up but it's a lot more work and it's so much harder yeah um incredible match i think in did incredibly well i'm excited and i am also excited about the possibility of ufc africa the only issue is um wait
1: which which country in africa though
0: it'd have to be nigeria or something like that
1: oh that would be hard to pull off could that well maybe they could do south africa
0: you could, you, you. I'm sure you could. I think the. Uh, I I think when they but they're not from South Africa, they're they're from Nigeria, yeah, and Cameroon, then, Cameroon, and like. Nigeria. These yeah. are all these are all in the north of Africa. So, uh, I'm not too sure what they could have constructed there or what's available. However, if it's, uh, you could all, you could do South Africa. I don't know if they've actually done it. I think they have done some South African uh, UFC events. I think they have. Yeah. But I like the possibility of that.
1: Anyway, so now earlier on, I just mentioned uh, that we'd now lost Tyrone Woodley again, another legend that's gone down. I was, we we, we talked about this in the last episode that Vicente Luque, he's no joke, man. Mm. He's now got a lot more hype. He's probably got the best knockout of his career or one of the best wins of his – no, sorry, not the best – he's not the best knockout, one of the best submissions of his career so far, and the best wins of his career in general, because he's fought Tyrone Woodley. So Tyrone Woodley has lost three times now, four times. So he's lost to um, Kamaru Usman, Colvin Covington, and uh, Vicente Luque. And then – You now, skip you
0: Gilbert Burns. Oh,
1: sorry, Gilbert Burns as well. And so now it's a four loss, and now he's dropped down to 10th. Question is if if the UFC is going to keep him. I know we know that he has a bit of a uh, complicated past with Dana, but if Tyron Woodley is going to have his last fight, do you reckon it's going to be against someone in the lo- in the top ten? I, I don't have think a last it, it will be, huh? He's not going to have a last. fight. You reckon he's going to he's going to be done uh, now? That I, he's last. Fourth, fourth time?
0: look. I'm not Dana, but uh, I can guarantee you, um, Tyron's been fed the harshest of opponents, and he is going to get cut. Right. I don't think he's uh, I, I, I was very surprised by how fast he engaged Luke right afterwards. He just shot across, took the center of the octagon really quickly, which is exactly what someone with that kind of size wants. Mm-hmm. He wants to pressure someone like Luke a strike up against the cage and control the octagon as much as he can. But as soon as, as he went in, he missed a strike, got caught in the clinch. And Luka is just damn good. He's yeah. fast. I believe he's about 29. He he's still growing and learning. There's a 9-year gap. Tyron's 38. Mm-hmm. Quick. Still had a good decent amount of size. His legs were huge by the way. He's still He still he, looks he's, great. He still got very a, a lot of muscle mass, right? Yeah. But you know th- there was there was some shots that he hit with Luke and it looked like they wobbled Luke. Yeah. Until Tyron walked into a shot Got caught. Tyron was going for an uppercut. Luke, bang. Caught him flush. Mm-hmm. Got Woodley on wobbly legs. Uh, Pretty much almost put him on his stomach, to be honest. Because yeah. he had to hold himself up with his hands. Got up. Back, back and back, obviously.
1: He was trying to use the cage to hold himself up well, as well. well and he well, well, was really wobbling against the cage.
0: Yeah, This was one of the times where we... We don't really see an issue with Tyron's chin, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We've never really seen him get rocked or wobbled. He's taken a lot of people's best punches and he's walked through it. He's got a chin, right? Yeah. And he's good. He's a well-rounded athlete, right? Got the striking ability. Very powerful striker. Yeah. But I think he was falling in love with the hands and it wasn't working. He tried to attempt a takedown. Didn't work, right? But it's unfortunate for Tyron, right? Because... I don't think it was his best performance. Getting knocked down the first round, it sounded like he was trying to change things up mentally. But thirty-eight, he's not learning anything really new. Yeah, he's not changing his game drastically. He always, he typically fights the exact same way no matter who he fights. He just typically does better against strikers because he doesn't have to worry about the wrestling aspect. However, he got knocked down the first round. That's that. That's really, really. Yeah, unfortunate now because that's four of his last five he's lost right yeah
1: you just gotta ask how much could he cons- sustain because looking back his last fights he he lost via decision to Kamaru Usman that was a pretty dominant fight from Usman
0: I, I would argue he's lost the last 15 rounds or 16 to most exactly. yeah and then he I lost
1: know. to Gilbert Burns and Gilbert Burns boxing is so bloody crisp man Uh, he Mm -hmm. took a lot of punches in that one and then again you go up against probably a massive volume puncher like Colby Covington who just outstruck him and not even that but also in that fight he broke one of his ribs Mm. so he's just sustained so much damage over the past couple of years dominated yeah he just it, I think that's just a fun. I think it's kind of finally got to him because it's well with age. Because when you're young, you know you're taking all that damage. You kind of brush it off, but when you're a little bit more older, it does um stick with you, especially towards the end. I mean,
0: not able to train as much. That's what Tyron said yeah. as well. I, I I can't train three times a day like I was when I was 25. I can't do anymore. He get he gets beat up. He yeah. can't do it. Um, coming back to your other question, Tyron's not having a last fight. Yeah, he's cut. You reckon he's cut? Uh, I think within the next week or two, okay, m- as long maybe as late as a month, right? Tyron's cut, yeah, he's cut because there's going to be a Dana long way of cuts, it. really. And Dana was already asked about it. this. Was make or break for him to be honest, he could have got cut oh. and then, uh, before his last uh, fight, but
1: what did Dana say then?
0: Dana in the post fight uh, press conference got asked and he said, Look, um. He, the person I can't remember the reporter, but the reporter said, "Look, he was looking pretty good at the start, right? He rocked Luke, but unfortunately, he got knocked out. And uh, so, not knocked out, he got choked out. Um, you know, by uh, by a Dast choke. However, he was yep. rocked well before then.
1: That was a really good choke. It was really good setup, though.
0: Very, he's very good at the Anaconda yeah. and and Dast chokes. And he, it looked like time. Well, first time was kind of he." <laughs> You know, I believe he he, he submitted uh, Darren Till in a dast choke as well. Um, he was trying to fight the legs, got his legs tangled up, so he wouldn't be able to get get out of it. And then when he couldn't get his leg out, he's obviously struggling for breath, right? Trying to break the grip of the hands, couldn't do it. It was just sunk in. Um, I mean, he knows full well about dast chokes, and he knew he wasn't getting out of that, and he tried. So he, but he got submitted and it wasn't pretty. Dana, Dana was asked, like, look, he looked pretty good up to that point until he, you know, got rocked, got taken down, and then you know the submission occurred. Now, could he potentially be cut, or is he going to be have another fight? And Dana said, "Look, that's four of his last five that he's lost, uh, and he and he's been dominated and got knocked out tonight." That's all he says. Yeah. Telling you right now, that's his nice way of saying he's yeah. getting fucking yeah. cut. And that's nice of Dana because Dana fucking hates Tyron. Yeah. Because
1: um, <laughs> he even openly said every time Tyron Woodley opens his mouth, he shoots himself in the foot. <laughs> that was a famous T- quote. Ty-
0: Tyron's apologised for things like that. Tyron actually said on the Arrow Hawaii show, he actually said, look, I used to say why am I not getting promoted this and he was using the race card and things like that, right? Yeah. But he's saying, look... Um, I, I realized now, I realized a little bit like, it's not all about me. They've got 800 different uh, fighters they've got to worry about. It's not always going to be around me. And I thought that was a really mature thing for yeah. them. But he realized a bit late. He's 38 years old. Yeah. Uh, had issues with in, tons of injuries in the past. Shoulder injuries, everything. Yeah. And unfortunately, it looks like it's the end of the line for him at the UFC. I hope he does. Ju- he hangs up the gloves. He doesn't go to Bellator or, or anything like that. I don't want him to. I don't want him to. I think I think he's. Sh- it's unfortunate how it's settled, right? If he wants to do something else with his career in terms of combat sports, I would say go for it. But well, I don't want to see him continue in the UFC.
1: Well, he's got a. He's already got a uh a rap career going. Uh, I don't know how successful he is. I don't really follow it. But he's he works a lot with the UFC in terms of analytics. You, I think you he should. Like go he do the post-fight show.
0: I think he should become yeah. an analyst just a, alongside um. Rashad Evans. There you go. Because they get on really well.
1: Anyway, so earlier on, I talked about all the old talent being ushered out, and then now we got this new talent coming in. Now, today, also, yesterday, was a return of some of the new talent, uh, the, the, the darling of Dana White's contender series, Sean mm-hmm. O'Malley. He made a comeback fight yesterday, and I was so impressed, but Sean... Look, we're just Let's Take a word of advice, mate. Don't don't do the don't do this walk off stuff. Like just just finish it right there and then. Because like, you could have finished it yeah. in that first round.
0: He was looking for that nice highlight reel. Yeah, and it didn't work at that that first. Um, I haven't watched it back, but he cracked him really well. He, Amada goes down up against the cage. Looks like it's going to get called off. Her, I don't believe it was her, but it, the the ref looked like he was going to step in. Sean walked off. Yeah, Amada was like. All right, I'm gonna go back yeah. up, right? And then it looks like, it looked like unfortunately it was gonna cruise to a decision, right? Yeah. Um, Sean has a really good output, you yeah. know. He, he's constantly doing spinning attacks. Um, he's constantly bringing his head back like this because he's faking going for the either a spinning back or a spinning hook kick, right? And then he goes like that, boom. Well, the same way like when, it's just little bits and tricks that he likes to do, and it gets. Almeida to hesitate and it looked like he just he froze he froze Thomas Almeida um, just with the movement he really did he, he comes from that Muay Thai shooter box style mm. which is a really good camp by the way yeah. it, it, I mean Charles Oliveira uh, even GSP um, did a huge amount, amount of uh, shooter box uh, training it was just fence boxing mm. um, and, and he was he had Almeida had his moments right but let's be real, he was dominated. Sean O'Malley, he's just frozen with movement. He was far too s- stiff. And he had a very high guard, which was good. He was managing to absorb a lot of uh, blows, however. And he just didn't have the dynamic movement like Sean to be able to move out of the way, read the feints that Sean was putting out there. And he was very reactive to the he was—he was He was hugely reactive. And it just gave Sean little bits of information just to pick him apart. I might have had a few... Uh, calf kicks out there That were looking Pretty good However Sean was checking them Pretty well mm. um, And most of the time He was being smart You know He was in and out Of range very quickly yeah. uh, I think the best thing About Sean Is Is not his movement well, It's related to his movement It's his distance control Similar to Conor McGregor And Israel designer He's able to pull back From punches Really well Just so he's out of range Slip Bang the right hook or the right cross, and it just hits the mark. Right? I think Sean O'Malley's best thing is probably his perception of distance. Right? Able to come out of range and not leave any space, so that he's got the shortest amount, like the shortest amount of distance he can cover in the fast amount of time. Boom! Crack him on the chin, and it worked really well. Um, dropped him in the third round, and that's all, all they wrote. He just dropped down. Looked like I might have. They really should have just. Call it off then, drops down, bang. And you could just, you could hear that at home.
1: Yeah, that was, well, I mean, he, he just, well, he finished off. He walked away, He came back, and then he just hit him with that one punch. And then the referee just waved it off because that was the second time he got him down. But Amina took a beating. He took an absolute beating for that fight. And that's his fourth losing. That's his, Again, that's his fourth loss in a row now, so...
0: The, the unfortunate thing, he's been given such tough opponents. Like yeah. his last, he's a good kickboxer. He yeah, really is. He's good, but, yeah. But I mean, he had
1: some moments. Yeah, strong had mo- a couple of strong moments yeah. against Sean O'Malley.
0: Mainly his kicking to the calf was yeah. the main issue. He, he kicked out Sean's calf at one point and Sean fell down. Did you, actually, I want to I want to bring this up. I know we, we didn't say so we were going to talk about this, but uh, Aljamain Sterling brought this up. What they're spraying on the canvas in order to sanitize it because of COVID and yeah. things like that, Notice in this smaller octagon, w- w- when they're spraying this, all these fighters are slipping so often. Yeah, that's true. Aljo slipping all the time. Yeah. Israel Adesanya slipped. Sean O'Malley slipped. And it, uh, again, it's not uncommon for people to slip in a in a in an octagon. I get it, right? Especially when you're on the uh, the main event or the cona main event. Maybe by then there's sweat, blood. Yeah. And, and spit and whatever. Yeah. Right. But what they're spraying on there to sanitize it, right? It's making so many people slip on the canvas and then, boom, they're flat on their back and then they're stuck in a pretty hard position. Yeah.
1: And it's not what well, it's not coming for. Well, I'm pretty sure Sean has had c- slipped and fell quite a few times from doing those spinning back kicks. Because you're doing all that turning, got all that turning force, and you got on the axis on your on your toes, it's not really too uncommon to fall off a spinning back kick. But both of them are doing it as well.
0: They 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 keep slipping, and I think it's because of what they're spraying on the canvas to keep <laughs> it all sanitized, and it's an issue because a lot of people are trying to move very dynamically, and it doesn't work for people like Sean and things like that because it it makes it very, very slippery and very uncomfortable to get a footing. It makes an issue for takedowns as well. You know, when Aljo was trying to take down Peter Yarn, he couldn't get a grip on the floor with his feet and it makes it difficult for you to actually have some type of driving, uh, some leg drive in order to take someone down. Even if it's a single leg, you need to have grip on the floor in order, order to be able to spin and take someone down and put them off balance. Uh, I'll, more and more we're seeing tons of people are slipping and getting caught in uh, pretty weak positions on the ground, yeah. especially when they're kickboxers. When they're flat on their back, they look like a turtle. Sometimes they 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 don't have the grappling ability that the 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 uh, their opponent fighter has. So uh, it's interesting what they're spraying on the campus is actually causing some weird issues in the octagon. It it does actually change the the kind of like the idea like how the fight is actually going on. Um, Just something to think about, to be honest. But Sean looked incredible against uh, Almeida. I, I, we knew he we knew was going to be a heavy, heavy favourite, right? We knew that Almeida was tough, very durable. That was his probably main trait. He's durable. Very good kickboxer. Um, strong leg kicks, but just durable. And he took Sean's best punches. And he stayed in there a lot longer than I thought he would, but Sean's just better. I, I wonder if they're going to... Uh, Following Marlon Chidovera's loss, um, I, I question maybe if they're going to do a rematch with that again or because he's number 15 in the rankings, it's a, it's a nice... Um, it's kind of just like a, a nice a nice way to revisit the fight that we didn't get to see the full amount of and if Sean was to win... Uh, and take Cheeto's place, he would take Cheeto's place in number fifteen, and he would crack yeah. the the ranked opponents. I, I would love to see Sean O'Malley. That's versus, the thing, uh, though. Vera
1: has no interest of doing that rematch.
0: Oh, I'm sure he would if he gets paid well. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> he
1: would. Well, it's because Sean O'Malley like was in the top. Was isn't he? He's not ranked, but he's a he's a money favorite. A lot of people love him for his uh He's he's one of those fighters that everyone's got eyes on. They're not in the top fifteen. He's even quite well known to a lot of casual fans as well.
0: I I hope th- they build them up properly. Um, I yeah. think he f- probably fought Cheeto a bit too soon, a yeah. ranked opponent a bit too soon, and I hope that they slowly in incre- inc- give him, you know, tougher and tougher opponents. But saying that he has fought Cheeto before, that's a bit of experience in how Cheeto uh, Cheetah, um well fights. It's already got a little bit of experience in how how he reacts to Faint and how he moves around and possibly the same game plan with the calf kicks. So I would be happy to see them revisit that fight against Cheeto. Mm-hmm. I think Sean versus Cheeto would be an incredible matchup. Um and I just want to see the I want to see that rematch because it, it could I think it could have gone a different way. Granted, if it was a three rounder, I think it really I really think it could have gone a different way.
1: Mm. Now, next up, we've got Darren Till versus Marvin Vettori. Mm. Uh, now, that's coming up next week. So, wait, what do you what are your thoughts on this one? Because Darren Till lost his last fight to Robert Whittaker. Now he's moved up to middleweight. He fought Kevin Kelvin Gastelum He won that fight. Kind of lost against Whittaker, but it was a pretty close fight. I would agree. Mm. It was def- definitely definitely uh, there was a bit back and forth. Now he's up against Marvin Vittori and now. Everyone's kind of got eyes on Marvin Vittori because he's won his last fight. He's got a little bit of hype around him. He wants to be the first Italian born champion. Yeah, uh, He wants to eventually fight Adesanya for the title. He doesn't
0: get on well with Izzy because yeah. he had fought before. And yeah, he that's wants correct. That that's that. why I was really He reading. still thinks he won that fight. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> he does. He still thinks he won that fight against Izzy. And, and uh, I mean, I don't agree but I I do like the way he fights. I think he's him too. He's tough and durable. His wrestling is underrated and his striking is sharp as well. And he's got a a cracker power. He really does. If he catches Till, he can knock out Till. He really can. If Till can get knocked out at welterweight granted, sucked out out of his life, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how he managed to get to one seventy. That's insane. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing: uh, Thomas Almeida, sorry, Marvin um, Vittori, and Darren Till—they're quite evenly matched because Darren Till he is six, so I believe he is eighteen three and one. Mm-hmm. Marvin Tor- Vittori is sixteen four and one. So there's not really that much difference between the two. They've both had roughly the same amount of fights. Uh, both had a no contest. Both had a few losses. So they've both got a, They've both got something to prove coming up. Uh, I feel like. Darren sort of takes this one, but I feel like it's going to be by decision. I kind of feel like they don't really want to risk it because they're both potential candidates in the title picture down the track. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like they're going to want to have the risk for that you know, that knockout shot sure, going there and try and put him away.
0: Yeah, I think I... I like Darren more of a person, mm-hmm. however, you fucking <laughs> um, the scouser, <laughs> but I, I think I would love to see a striking match between Darren Till and Israel Adesanya, I know Izzy wants that too, however, to be honest, if either one wins, I would love a matchup against Izzy, I think Robert deserves it the most, I think it's ridiculous that he hasn't fought um, Izzy yet. He's, he's been beating title contenders left, right, and center. So I don't know why he hasn't been offered a fight yet. I, I feel like that
1: he didn't really want it for it. Like he just wanted time off, or he just had wasn't. He was having a kid. Yeah, he's,
0: he's a, having he's a kid. Four now. He's got four he's kids. Got four though. kids. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's going to make a little bit money now. So a little bit more of an incentive. Yeah. But Darren Till really good in the stand up. He says he's been getting obsessed with grappling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially grap- grappling de- defensively, right we know he he's he's constantly improving his jiu-jitsu game however similar to a lot of these strikers in the ufc look we know we we know he can strike that's going to be his in the uk the striking arts are so much more prevalent it's where he comes from keen boxing background moved to brazil and th- that he wanted to be raised around killers and just be the hardest man around right i like dantel's mental mentality he he's always got this that mentality of being the selfish fighter mm-hmm. he, he says look i don't do this for my family fuck my family yeah i i want to i want to do this myself i want to be the best ever i want to be ufc champion i think his mentality is really good he's got the stri- striking ability up there to knock out Vitoria as well right the grappling is a bit sus right grappling defense i think he's great i think grappling defense but in terms of offensive grappling he's not really going to touch it i know he's getting obsessed with grappling he says habib is his 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 uh one of his favorite fighters right yeah he's a he's obsessed he's probably one of Habib's biggest biggest supporters but i don't see him i don't see him being the offensive wrestler that vittori is so good at yeah i think vittori has got cracker power, I really think he's got underrated striking, his wrestling is very good, and I feel like he's a character too, he's got a good mentality, and he still thinks he, he lost it. Is Izzy, he? and he's got he's got something to prove as well, um, he, someone like Vittori has a huge chip on his shoulder, and I could definitely see him fighting Izzy in the future, because arguably, he's one of the people in, in the UFC that gave Izzy his hardest fight. One mm. of them, right? There was probably, there's Jan, obviously. Then there's Gastelum. And then maybe you can make the argument maybe Vittori, mm. right? Because Vittori was able, I believe he was able to take Izzy to a split decision. Now I didn't don't really agree with the split decision. However, probably gave him the the hardest fight in terms of, not in terms of striking, but in terms of grappling, he was able to take Izzy down, and and, and sometimes, sometimes when Izzy is flat on his back, it is very difficult for him to get back up. Right, he's very good at before he gets before he gets taken down, but sometimes when he's back on, on his back, it's tough. Right, it's tough when you're on your back against a, a difficult wrestler, and that's what, what attracted the Derrick Brunson fight. Now he was able to knock out Brunson really quickly. Can he do that to Vittori? I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, the, coming back to what you said about uh, Darren Till being a trying to bring up his obsession for grappling, is, well, he has every reason to because he lost one of his fights to Re- uh, Tyron Woodley back w- well, when round. he was up and coming. And then he was kind of, I believe the issue with Darren Till is he's a lot more seasoned, now he's a lot more mature because he, I felt like he was one of those hype trains that was just pushed too soon. He was pushed too soon. Because he was, he was marketable. He, had, he he loved to talk shit on the mic. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a great style. He was very, very popular with the British fans. You know, they wanted that another next Michael Bisping champion, you know. So, because I'm pretty sure Michael Bisping was the last English champion that we've had.
0: He's the only. Yeah, there He's you go. He's been the only so, UK yeah. champion. Yeah.
1: So, I feel like because... UFC so popular in England, you know, in London and all that. And then that's where the, all those fans and have those massive arenas. So the UFC would love to take advantage of it. So I guess that's why they were trying to push Darren. Now that he, lo- he lost to uh, Tyron Woodley and he lost to Rory In and, and now he's sort of really, really bought off his game. So I guess he has every right to, you know.
0: The only issue I can see this being is Till's leg. Till's T- leg? T- till's about? knee. Tills leg? T- Till's knee. Oh, he's always he's had knee? issues with his knee. After his fight with Rob, he got the shit kicked out of his knee, stomped on, and I believe he was in a he was in a, a brace. And it looked like he was possibly... I be- don't know if he's had surgery, but it looked like it was a likely possibility. Right, I think he actually went for surgery for his knee. Now well, everyone
1: gets hurt when they fight with Rob. Exactly, Everyone yeah, right. gets hurt. Even Jared Cannon, yeah, he broke his, like, owner in like, the first...
0: Bro- bro- broke his own bone in the first, first or second round. First round, yeah. Now, now, with Till's knee, that can make it very difficult when it comes to moving around in the... Because also, the, like, just getting the rounds in as well because the, the surgery takes quite a bit of time. The recovery takes a lot of time, which is why this fight was postponed in the first place. He was originally supposed to fight earlier, um, and it was postponed, it's it's such an interesting. Honestly, this is a very underrated matchup. Till, very good grappling defense, right? Takedown defense, striking ability is so up there. Movement is so good. Got cracker power. Not not exactly one punch quitter power, right? Like a Yo Romero, but he is a, he is a very powerful striker with good takedown defense. Marvin Vittori, he 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 has power as well. Mm-hmm. He has like this grit, this gritty kind of strength that he has behind him. And he can put you on your ass anytime he likes, right? If he ever feels the need that the exchanges aren't going that well, like when he was fighting Jack and Manson, right? He can take you down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think, uh, I don't know who I take in that fight. I love Till, right? But I could see Vittori be- beating Till. I can see Vittori beating Till. Um, I can see him just taking him down and just just wrestling him. Just honestly, just keeping Till down on his ass and making sure he stays there. I think Vittori is just one of these guys. He's just hard to the fore. He's he's yeah. a worker. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. Vittori will, will, beat, will beat Till. Okay.
1: I, I, I go the other way. I, I think Till will beat Vittori, but we'll see. One thing that was trending over the weekend was the Jake Paul and Ben Askren press conference. And <laughs> did you watch it?
0: Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mainly actually watched it. I mainly watched the highlights. Jake's such an unlikable guy that he makes Ben Askren look so like like a saint. He lo- right. makes him look like a proper f- angel.
1: Yeah. Well, what they uh, had to point- I've got to point out, was just how silly that face-off was. Like, I think Ben Askren just. He's so he's so much older and so much more mature. He's so immune to all this bullshit because he's been fighting for most of his life. He's wrestled. It's just, he doesn't really give a crap who he didn't who Jake Paul was. He didn't even know about him until he put out that tweet. So why does everyone hate the Paul so much? But Ben's and then, one of these
0: guys that like is so he looks older than he actually is. Yeah. Like he, 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 Honestly, he looks like an old history teacher. Yeah, still wearing his fucking flip flops, his, <laughs> his thongs to the press every, t- every time he wears <laughs> pants with flip flops. Every time, and I'm like, Jesus, stop doing. I mean, the worst. I mean, the worst one that comes to mind is Paula Costa was wearing fucking Crocs to yeah. the Adesanya well, press conference, and I was like,
1: What oh, was funny know. for me was the bloody. I didn't notice he was wearing flip flops until the face off when he like, literally just pied. Jake right Just the palmed the him in the yeah. face
0: Just palmed <laughs> him And he was like <laughs> and Get and the
1: And then Jake smacked him And pushed him And Ben just walked out No no no, completely. no He
0: did not smack him He slapped him on the belly Yeah And, get, and, and Whoa. gave him a back rub And pushed yeah. him away Okay He <laughs> looked like a child No 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 I smack you yeah, He was like I No,
1: just, no. That, Well it was funny for me Because uh, Daniel Corvier Put out a tweet And I just thought It was hilarious It's like I just saw Jake Paul's reaction To Ben Askren Palming his face And I am now convinced That Ben wins He looked like he wanted to throw a punch in Cyril and slapping his ass Ben smashes his dude I'm all the way in <laughs> and then
0: Mike, Michael Bisping said otherwise he was just like eh, no Jake Paul's yeah. gonna win it's well it's interesting it comes up in, in April the 17th so yeah. for us it'll be the. Eight, eight, at the 18th Yeah Well it's just yeah. Jake
1: Paul's trying so hard Just to fuck with Ben And Ben's just so unfazed by
0: it uh, Ben is usually unfazed He yeah. went through the ho- fucking Quickest Shortest Most humiliating And embarrassing knockout Yeah And he's unfazed He's like dude Why would I care Things go on Life goes on Yeah blah, 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 blah. He,
1: he even openly stated On um, What is it Uh, What is it on Logan Paul's podcast He Impulsive said podcast, yeah, yeah. yeah He said that oh, what what what's going to happen if I lose? What, a couple of 13-year-olds are just going to push me for a while? Like, it doesn't matter if I lose to me. It doesn't matter. I'll just go back to my academy and treat, te- treat, teach all my wrestlers and still keep practicing my, my, you know, my what is it, my art and all that and perfecting my craft. And then it's, it feels – it's just strange because – when I was watching the press conference, just the sheer difference between the two of them. Like, Jake's all dressed up in, like, expensive clothes and the chains, and Ben's just wearing...
0: He's wearing, like, two watches and shit. I'm like, fuck, are you? stop, you're not a rapper. Stop wearing two watches that are iced out, and he's got an iced out uh gold, two gold chains. I'm like, fucking stop. Yeah, and then he, Ben's just so wearing, cringy. like, his Muhammad
1: Ali t-shirt and... and, and, and it,
0: it's 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 ben being so relaxed and so calm yeah and there's jake who is so immature and so quick to react to everything whenever you can even see like when jake speaks ben lets him talk yeah when ben speaks jake will butt in every time because he's honestly i can't get away with that he's two years older than us right like he's had some great success good on him so good right yeah so good that he's taken on the world but He's being very immature, so cringy. It's very difficult for him to have fans. Like he his little cheerleader group that came around with him. Yeah, that was bunch of twenty year olds about. that are just like 20, 20. Like, twenty. It, twenty
1: two days, twenty two days, twenty-two days you get no the fuck
0: out. Like it's it's uh and then Ben's it's really cringe He looked like he woke up from a nap, to be honest. Yeah, I thought he say. I thought he fell asleep in the other room. Uh, Ben's so relaxed and so unfazed. Look, I don't think that is a good indication of how the fight's going to go. I don't think that, like, well, Ben is so relaxed, Jake is, uh, and it's not going to go Jake's way. I I would have thought that Ben would win if it was a 12-rounder. It's Ben has gone on the Food Truck Diaries with Brendan Sharp, and he's mentioned, I believe it's an eight-round fight. Yeah. If it's eight rounds, Ben's chances are okay. The longer the fight goes on, the better it goes for Ben. Yeah. right? If it's a 10-round fight, Ben. If it's going to 12 right... A twelve twelve fight, um, twelve round fight goes towards Ben, right? If it's as low as six, Mm -hmm. that's tough. Yeah, I think I think even Jake can have a gas tank that can last that long. I think Jake's a very he's a fast twitch, athletic guy. Not as athletic as Logan, but he's a fast twitch guy. A little bit taller than Ben, he can impose his will on Ben. I think he can, right? In those first two rounds, I think that's when he's dangerous. And I think that's where he's going to put the pressure on himself to perform. I think he's going to put the pressure on himself to perform so highly that he's going to rush Ben. He's going to try and knock his head off in the first two rounds, severely deplete his gas tank. And if it's as low as six, it could be in Jake's favor, right? Ben naturally just needs to make it a scrap. Yeah, Pull down on his neck, even if he's got to do a collar tie. Just pull him down, uppercut him. He yeah. has to play a little bit dirty, right? He needs to be yeah. a little bit more of a street fight.
1: I've got a feeling like Ben's going to incorporate some te- techniques and uh, some dirty I boxing. I think
0: he's going to do some dirty boxing. I've, I've got a I think he's he going to do some like rabbit punches. I think he's going to do uh, a lot of stuff that we saw Connor do against Floyd. He, he's like, look, I'm probably not going to beat Floyd with perfect, crisp science of boxing. I'm going to take his back. Holding him around and he's gonna know what the fuck is going on and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on bang, bang. And I think Ben that's a,
1: faints a double leg, you know what I mean? <laughs> I th-
0: I think if Ben faints a double leg, that would be hilarious. He faints a double leg, goes over the right overhand, clips Jake.
1: And then he goes, Oh wait, sorry, Rum Sport <laughs> gets back up. Would
0: uh, that be hilarious? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see Ben knocking out anyone. Uh Ben's got very slow twitch muscle fibers. He's got pillow hands to be honest. He can't uh, it, very little, he's had very little knockouts in his in his fighting history and he's m- very outside his prime, right? Yep. I don't see him knocking out uh, Jake, but I feel he could win on points for sure and he just needs to be in his face. The only issue is Ben in his career is usually is set up his strike lane purely for the takedown. Yep. So he can take them down, grapple them and submit them, right? And impose his will. That also meant he just copped a lot of shots and he yeah. just took them, took them, took them. In boxing, those are points. Yeah. Those are points. Those are significant strikes. If he just takes them on the on on the face consistently, you know you're kind of asking for the round to be taken away from you. So he needs to be smart and yeah. he needs to have good have movement. I don't see him having good head movement. But I, the only thing I see for Ben working is just making a dirty, scrappy fight. Yeah, making Jake really uncomfortable and just just putting his weight on him. Yeah, in those last rounds. So. I think, I think he just needs to be beat Jake in a scrappy, long distance fight, and I think that's how he beats Jake.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so next up to bring up is the uh recent tweet that was that you just put out. I woke up this morning and saw this that Dustin Poirier mm. posted. Uh, that Jul- on July twelfth, twelfth, I believe. Hopefully, that's right. Uh,
0: Quickly check. I might check myself actually, <coughs> but it's um, I believe it's July twelfth. So yeah, that right. w- we were expecting perhaps it was going to happen in May for the Conor McGregor rematch. Now we know Dana probably had other plans. He's pushed it back a little bit. Obviously, Conor's been knocked out. Probably w- don't want to fast track it that quickly to May. Uh, it wasn't the one. Wasn't the easiest knockout, right? Yeah. Clearly, uh, got July tenth. Sorry. July tenth. Sorry. Yep. All right. So July tenth. Um, for anyone in America. In the United States, however, in Australia it'll be July eleventh. Can't wait! That's an incredible matchup to, for us to see again. Really, really want to see that rematch now. It it, it was six years in the making. Okay, did not go Connor's way. Obviously, circumstances have changed. However, Dustin beat Connor decisively. Yeah, and he beat him very handedly, very smart and tactical was his approach. And I think, look, it could happen again. It really could. Um, there's a few things that need Connor needs to change, in my opinion. He needs to ditch the boxing stance. It's so heavy on the front foot. It's it's asking to get calf kicked, right? It's he's. I think he's a bit too obsessed with the boxing and trying to do everything. Pick your sport, stay in it. Retire from MMA, go to boxing, and and boxing is now your thing, right? But don't switch in between two. It doesn't work. It's two completely different games. The distance is different. And the stances are different, and you are just asking to get calf kicked, as well as as to get taken down, which you did. You got taken down in the first round. Obviously, he got back up, but you know it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't going on his way. He needs to ditch that stance, go back to his karate stance. Doesn't need to check the calf kicks as much. He needs to either intercept it or he needs to get out. The best thing is probably get out, just inch out, inch out mm-hmm. of the way. Right mm-hmm. as soon as you see that calf kick coming, inch out. Don't cop it. Last time he was just copying it, and he was saying, "I've taken the best of Dustin's kicks before in the last fight," but he was expecting kicks to the kicks to the thigh. It wasn't. It was kicks to his peroneal nerve, and it just made him have drop foot and fall down and get. He just took his legs underneath him. When you don't have your legs, you can't take punches properly. Mm-hmm. i think connor's aerobic conditioning was way better yeah. i think that was connor's best aerobic conditioning we've ever seen he didn't had, even touch the stool
1: yeah because uh what is it in terms of Connor's aerobic conditioning like uh he really switched up after his first loss in the ds fight for sure yeah and now he's like sort of gone a lot more away and then he doesn't want to be that worn out because like he was with against khabib and his pressure so he's come back. I feel like, especially with someone like uh, Dustin Poirier always had that next level gas tank, he definitely, again, would want to put the pressure on him, But I felt like he was trying to put him away. You know, Connor's not the kind of guy who does, he likes to leave it to the judges. He always wants to be the person who puts him away with that knockout punch. And he did it. He had those, I saw some of that old school Conor McGregor in him where he was leaning in. You know, he was having that stiff uh, vertical uh, right hand, you know, from the southpaw stance. You know, he still loves that vertical jab. He was, like, leaning in like he normally does. So there were definitely some moments when he was definitely on top. But the biggest switch up for him is, like, again, like I said, uh, ditch that flat foot, go back to the whole karate. Uh, but he's still got mad hands. His hands have gotten a lot better. Again, but Poirier, thing is, his boxing has always been on top. So I felt like if you thought you could – so if you felt like you could – Try to make me feel like it could outbox Dustin, and that was where he was went wrong there. And then it was again. I don't think that Connor was expecting Dustin to take him down. Uh, like he just kind of just felt a little bit uh, slow after that. Uh, however, the point is of the, the of the tweet is that reason why it's July is because w- well the next one of the topics we're also going to talk about is uh Kamara Usman and Marzodar will be in front of a crowd. Now I honestly believe that. Dana uh, has yet can get crowds in Texas. I believe that's where they're going to for the Maslow. Florida. Florida. So they opened up. That's probably what they're going to want to put. Uh,
0: Texas can't open yet. They said they could, and then the the, the, the Texas government were just like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So it's too, it's too early. I mean, by July, you could probably have it in Texas, right? Yep. But it's not going to be in Ireland. You could have it in Las Vegas, right, which is where it occurred before. But it, I think it needs a crowd. And yeah. I think the bigger the crowd is, the more it plays into Connor's favor. Connor is one of these people mm-hmm. that takes energy from the crowd, but he also uses it to break you down mentally. Yeah. Right. And there's like, because there's his name is Connor McGregor, he uses his own name to break down yeah. opponents and other athletes. Dustin, he thrives better. His best fights come from no crowd. His best fights and that's when he's the most relaxed. That's when he's the most switched on and he just remembers what his coach is saying and he, he doesn't get caught up in the motions. When he gets start getting emotional and not hearing what his coach is saying and kind of basically just reacting to the crowd and to the environment and, and the atmosphere, that's when it doesn't go his way. So the bigger the crowd, the more it plays in Connor's favor. I think Dustin's a phenomenal fighter and I can't wait for the rematch. The main thing I want to see from Connor is the change in stance. But I think connor has got to show he is a more well-rounded fighter than he lets on. I think a lot of people are very quick to t- say, "Oh, I'll just take him down," when he's got incredibly good takedown defense, as well as he can take people down. Max Holloway, he took him down. Diego Brandau, he took him down. Yeah. But what I would want, uh, what I want to see from Conor McGregor is his underrated Braz- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu game. Yeah, it's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a brown belt. He's really good under Coach Kavanaugh, who is the first um, Irish black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. He's really good. He's everybody says it Every, for us. The hobby. he says always. Conor McGregor's grappling is not a weakness. It's underrated. I want Conor to actually take someone down. Yeah. I want Conor to actually be able to fake the takedown mm-hmm. because look, it would help with striking so much. Being able to fake the takedown and hit him with a shot. It it makes. It's so much more predictable about what you're going to do mm. when when you you don't offer any issues with the grappling wise. Same thing with Ngarni. You know what happened with Engano against Rosenstrike? He knew Rosenstrike is not going to take me down. So in those first ten seconds, I'm gonna bull rush him. Yeah. And it worked. Because it foot put him flat on his ass, put Rosenstrike right up against the fence and he didn't know what to do. Yeah. He didn't go left or right. He went straight back and he got caught. And I think that can happen to Connor if he's not careful. He needs to put the pressure on Connor right away. He needs to take the control in the octagon straight away. Say this is my octagon. He needs to... There's no difference in his striking I think he needs to do. Perhaps change stance. Yeah. He doesn't change stances. He's always got his left leg in front. Changing stances constantly, which is what we saw with Sean O'Malley really good when it comes to the calf kicks when you've always got that left leg in front makes it very susceptible to get kicked with the calf kicks he needs to change stances constantly and he needs to threaten takedowns and he needs to grapple yeah i I think his grappling game is very underrated and he needs to show it i think he needs to threaten people with grappling so i'm a more well-rounded fighter than you guys let on i'm not just a left hand and i can change stances and i'm ambidextrous and I'm better than I let on. I think that's what Connor needs to do yeah. to beat Dustin. If he can't do that, I see Dustin walking through him again. Yeah. Dustin's very complete and he, he's he's very good. He's great on the ground as well. But he needs to he, these are I think Connor has a tough task against one of the best people in the lightweight division. And I think whoever beats each other has a very fast track to going straight to a title shot. And I think there's a lot riding on this fight. I'm I'm so excited for that matchup. That's a really, really good rematch.
1: hmm If Connor gets that takedown down against Dustin, and everyone's gonna be like, Whoa, that's new.
0: The last time he showed It's f- not that new.
1: Huh? It's
0: not it's not I know I know what you mean, but they're gonna think, oh that's new, he's gonna but when it's really not that new.
1: Yeah, it's not that new. Well it's <coughs> been a while since he's attempted one.
0: Does not typically want to. He yeah. Typ- he yeah. doesn't typically want to. Um Oh, while we're talking about grappling and taking down, Gordon Ryan impressive submission went uh, at uh, who's number one uh, last week. Now he's also b- prior to that matchup as well um, against Wagner Rocha. He's actually been signed with One Championship. Didn't see that um, Did not see that company uh, uh, that happening either. Now he's talked to the uh, the founder of uh, of One Championship, who's been who offered him this. And his deal actually included grappling in one championship. But the offer on that was also MMA was on the table as well if he wishes to pursue it. When it was... he First he said if, and then later in the post he said when I pursue it. Which okay. is interesting because he's got one of the best MMA coaches he can get out there, John well, Davenhaar.
1: Well, yeah, Well, yeah, true. But he was always the... He was one of those fighters outside of the UFC that everybody wanted to, to transition to. He's probably the most... I would argue say he's the best grappler right now in the world. Yes. Uh, Number number one
0: pound for pound. pound, Yeah. Yeah,
1: Pound for pound. But also he's, he's young too. He's still in his twenties.
0: Yeah. If he was to fight, uh, in one championship, he would have to fight. Um, well, he currently competes at 99 kg. Yeah. In, in all his grappling tournaments. So he would have to cut weight. Oh, I don't think he should be. Uh, I
1: don't think he should fight light
0: heavyweight. I don't think so. I think he should go to middleweight.
1: Yeah, I can reckon he can go to middleweight, but I don't know much about his striking. I barely know anything about. I've, his striking. I've
0: never i've I've looked for videos and pictures of him striking. It's very difficult. I can't get. I can't find a picture of him wearing yeah. boxing gloves. Well, well I mean, the other thing
1: is, he's probably the most outspoken. And most popular in terms of marketability, in terms of grappling. If you think about it, we just talked about this uh, in one of our previous episodes about when he slapped uh, Andre Galva. That's it, Andre Galva. He brought so many people to the sport because of his personality. Again, it sells. He loves to hype it up. It sells. He loves a little beef. It sells. It's just, It goes so well. And I feel like a lot of people who... Would, would transition from watching him from these grappling competitions, would definitely uh, go on and head and go and watch him in his one championship competition. But he hasn't, I mean, we're actually seeing this wave of people transition to one championship, like uh, John Wayne Parr, he's Australian legend, kickboxer, more sci fighter, multiple world, time champi- multiple world champions. He's transitioning now to a, a ONE FC. So ONE FC is now starting to branch out. So it's not just an MMA organization, but it wants to be its own, like grappling and kickboxing, boxing. Well, they've done
0: that for for a, the the last few few years at least. The kickboxing um, rounds with the MMA gloves, and they've had MMA. They've had grappling as well. It's a one-stop shop for just combat sports in general, and they really. It's not just purely MMA, right? It, although they they do branch out, right? They've got the grappling matches, they've got the kickboxing matches as well with the MMA gloves, right? Interesting that John Wayne Parr's next matchup is against uh, Nikki Holskin, who's an incredibly incredibly gifted kickboxer, noticeably a lot younger than John Wayne Parr. Mm-hmm. But I, I, that's, it's cool that they're picking really high level talent and they're they're building them up in this in, under the one championship um, umbrella. And I, I'm interested to see Gordon, if he does transition to MMA. We know one of his teammates, Gary Tonin, did very well and is is still doing very well in MMA, actually. I believe he's undefeated now. He needs to be able to strike comfortably. And I think he's got, obviously, someone that's that strong needs to be be able to inflict damage with that power that he has, and he needs to be do it do it efficiently. Um, grappling cardio is different from kickboxing cardio; it's different. Now, I'd love for him to uh, obviously John Danahar will probably match him up with a really good coach if he does transition to MMA. However, look, I would I think he could be very successful at MMA. I think Gordon he's twenty five. He's not exactly 30. You know how we were talking about Tyrone earlier, 38 years old, mm-hmm. not really going to learn new skills? Gordon, fuck yeah, he can learn new skills. Yeah, he's, he's coming to MMA a bit late, right? But let's talk about Francis Aguano who just beat Stipe. He found MMA when he was 21. Mm-hmm. Granted, Gordon is 25. However, he's been in combat sports. He's been grappling, right? He's a powerful big guy at 99 kilos. I could definitely see Gordon doing very well at MMA just like Gary Tonin. I, I really think it. I think uh, I think Gordon could be could, could transition very quickly from grappling to MMA, mm. especially since he doesn't really train in the gi. He trains in no gi. Yeah. Perfect transition to MMA. Yeah. I think Gordon, following his win against uh, Wagner Rocha, I think he's going to do really well in one championship. I think he's got more challenges for himself, right? And I think... I'm praying he does MMA, right? I hope he doesn't leave it too late and I hope he does it very soon and starts training correctly. Even if he's completely, do, he's doing grappling, but then he's just training on the side. And once he feels his skill base is up there, transitions, gets an MMA, uh, uh, you know, has an MMA fight through one championship, go straight towards it. I don't think he needs any amateur fights or anything like that. Go straight to his pro debut. Yeah. I, I think he could do incredibly well just like Gary Turner.
1: Uh, but I reckon he could bring the whole sport with him as well. I reckon that would sell. And um one championship is now increasingly becoming a lot more popular. And there's been a lot of uh there's been a lot of, of like uh, positive, mo- uh, positive uh positive comments that are coming out of it. Like even when we had Antonio Caruso on the ch- on the podcast, they talked about how how much better it is to be ha- having those hydration tests and finding out an actual weight compared to weight cuts. And the thing is with Gordon Ryan, I reckon he needs. I don't feel like he should just go and fight in MMA straight away. And I don't know what his experience is, but if he has little experience, I feel like he needs a good couple of years at least and learn the important fundamentals. At le- uh, and then we'll see how he goes inside an MMA fight. Because again, if you take the greatest grappler in the world, you've got one solid base. But he has. I don't know what his base is for striking. Uh, anyway, unfortunately, that's all the time because I got that's all the off.
0: That, that's all the time we have. Yeah, um, thank you so much for listening, guys. If you're listening on the audio, thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, and on Podbean if you like, actually, because that will be the quickest route to to listening to our podcast. Now, you should head over to our Instagram page uh, at the last set Podcast on Twitter. You'll find us at, at the last set underscore. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you go to our Instagram. That is our biggest social media right mm-hmm. now. Probably about one point one k followers right now, and that is the best way for you to get uh, notified notified on any fights that have just a, like just occurred the results of fights, our own breakdowns. You might even get a few audio clips that you don't typically see on YouTube, as well as the interviews that we post as well, our own interviews on top of that. And and just updates on everything. The best way to be a follower of the podcast is to follow us on the last set podcast Instagram. There's the best way we post um, one or two uh, times per day and the content there is is very, very good, okay? Yeah. We, we've got so much content on our Instagram is the best place to go, yeah. all right? As well as our, our Facebook page as well. Uh, very much appreciate you guys watching. We, we appreciate every follower. I think we just hit 242 followers, uh, subscribers, subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. So higher and higher, we're all, we'll be close to 300 subscribers very soon and we appreciate it very much. I hope you enjoy the podcast and just give us feedback. Tell us what you want to hear more. Um, and of course we will put that into our podcast. You just let us know. All right. All right. Thank you very much.
1: Take care, guys. Nice guys.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.